Okay, so, where are we? We're on the final week, looking at Samson. Uh, strong muscles and weak morals, part 3, Judges chapter 16. If you'll turn there, we're going to read from verse 21 through to verse 31. Judges 16, 21 through 31. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered us, delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad, who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple, so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about three thousand men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O oh God, that I may, I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the, in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. And Lord, we just want to open up our hearts this morning to hear what you want to say. Pray that you'll give us ears to hear, hearts to comprehend. Lord, that again, we we're not looking to be entertained in this place, it's not a speech. Lord, Lord, it is you speaking to us that we might be challenged, that we might be challenged, that we might take this word away, Father, reflect, Father, and act on it, Lord. Just have your way, Lord, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless the Lord. It's quite interesting what we've been listening to this morning, how what's coming through is that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And if there's one thing that you can see, an overarching theme in this, this whole story, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord. It starts and ends with the Lord. Although Samson plays obviously an integral part, it starts and it ends with the Lord. It started with the Lord looking for an opportunity to deal with the Philistines, to begin to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. And it ends with the Lord strengthening Samson so that he might fulfill that task that he'd been given to do. Not in the way that he imagined it, they imagined. Not in the way that we would have imagined it. It's quite a tragic story, really, isn't it? But it all 
counts, the battle belongs to the Lord. There's a bigger picture. That's what I'm trying to say. There is a bigger picture. And uh, just before we get into the text, I was watching just recently, and I wouldn't recommend that you watch this because there's, there's some bad language in it, but I don't know if you've seen the, the Who Dares Win series, the SAS. And they get a, a group of civilians from different backgrounds, different walks of life, and they, uh, they put them through like a, an adapted SAS selection course. And you've got young people, you know, probably in their 20s, most of them 20s, early 30s. Like I say, different walks of life. But all of them looking physically fit. Obviously, they have to go through a time of preparation. There is even a kind of selection process just to get onto the program. They have to be able to, I don't know, because I'm old. Yeah. I've been at the gym recently, but <laughs> well, then when I looked at the how impressive you need to do it, so many minutes I thought, no, you're not going to miss. <laughs> Gone of those days. Gone of those days. But you see these different people from all these different walks of life, and they're all toned physically and prepared and prepared themselves mentally. And obviously they're going brimming with confidence. They're going believing that they can get through this course get over this course. But you know these courses that they're designed not just to test your physical ability, but usually they will push you to the very limits of your mental, yeah, yeah, right. your mental ability, your mental capacity, your psychological, you know, abilities. And, um, and anyway, as, as they go through the course, it reminds me very much of some of the selection, I didn't join the SAS by the way, but some of the selection that I went through myself. For, for, for the army, and uh, how, how along the way you, you really you have an encounter with yourself. You find out who you really are on the inside. You may think you're something before you're going in. You may think you've got the wherewithal to get to the end of it, but very soon people start to, to have a really encounter with who they are on the inside, and, and very, very often people say, you know, and, and understand that that's, they've reached their limits and they need to fall out, fall away. And, uh, and that's what happens on this program, and you listen to them later, and they're talking about how difficult it was, and so on. Friends, this is what happened to Samson. Samson needed to have an encounter with his true self. Samson needed to know who he was truly on the inside, because unfortunately he had a very different understanding of who he was, and what he was capable of. Although we said we already established that he had strong muscles and we're just presuming that he was a muscly guy, perhaps he wasn't a muscly guy, perhaps he was, I won't choose anybody, but perhaps he was <laughs> different. He was different, okay? When you think of Samson, you think of big muscles, but actually, actually, the emphasis of the whole story is when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him to do miraculous feats, right? So maybe he was just, just your normal average build. Guy, I don't know. Anyway, strong muscles. Yes, he had physical strength, let's say, but on the inside, he was weak. And that's what comes out throughout the whole story. We see that he had a weakness, and he compromised with that weakness in the area, obviously, of lust, passion, all these things. There are still weaknesses for men today, and women, and women. But we see that on the inside he was quite weak, he wasn't who he thought he was. And again we can sense a tragedy as we're reading through the story, 
know, there's this, this, this decline, this moral decline, this downward spiral. And, and the same things seem to be repeating, the same mistakes are being repeated, going to the same places, doing the same things, not learning the lessons. It's almost like a game, and it's, like I said last time, it's almost like he feels he's in control. In that whole situation with Delilah, you know, it's a, it's, it's a game and he's playing, and, and it blows my mind, like I said, how he didn't kind of work out what was going on, but there you go. There you go. The heart's deceitful, isn't it? It is. And so Samson finds himself in these conditions. Verse 21, then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. The first thing that we, we learned this morning is that Samson is faced with his true self. He's faced with his true self. Folks, he goes from being almost like a hero, right? To complete humiliation. I don't know about you, but I'm reading these, these words, this text, I can just sense the humiliation that he was feeling. One minute, you know, he's slaying a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Next minute, he's got no arms and he's been made to perform. He's been completely humiliated in the temple of their God. Complete humiliation. It's hard to imagine, it's inside to grasp. It's a tragic story. But you see, that is what sin will do. That is what sin will do. It will leave us defeated, it will leave us humiliated. When we, when we think we're in control, when we think we've got, we're somebody we're not, when we think we're stronger than we are, when we start to play with these things, when we think we're in control, sin will catch us out. Sin will catch us out. And that's why we need to keep short accounts with God. Be aware of ourselves, be aware of our weaknesses, but let's keep short accounts with God. This once great man had almost lost everything because of the compromises with sin in his life. You know, Proverbs 28 verse 14 says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their hearts falls into trouble. That's another thing that sin will do to you. It desensitizes you. So it becomes easier and easier because you think you get away with it once, it becomes easy to do it again and again and again. And again, like we said last time, it lulls you to that false sense of security. Well, I've got out of this situation before. God's used me before. God's got me out before. So we'll do it again. This whole story, friends, is there for us to reflect on these truths. To see that that's not, that's not how it is. To see how the mighty have fallen. You know, I'm going to say something quite shocking to you now. I want you to think about it. God sometimes allows us to reach such lows to learn some crucial lessons about ourselves. If we continue to play with sin, if we continue, you know, to 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 to, to truth like it's a game, so sometimes God will allow us to reach those lows. Remember what we said from the start to the finish that God is in complete control. We declared that this morning. God is sovereign over all the affairs of men. He's sovereign over all the affairs of men. There are times when God will discipline those that He loves. 
As a human father or loving father need to chastise, need to discipline children, to teach them. It's healthy, it's necessary. There are times when God does that with us. He does that with us. And depending on our response, friends, we will allow us to sink to such blows, unfortunately. The idea is that we learn before, you know, we don't get to that point, we don't have to. We learn from these, these examples. Samson, he had to face now physically what he was spiritually. Samson was seeing the truth about himself. Gone from killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey to, what does it say? It says, they put out his eyes and brought him down to guys, they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. He became a grinder in the prison. Humiliation. Why, Samson? Because you're weak. The truth is about yourself is that you're weak. You're not who you think you are. You're not what you think you are. And that there is such a lesson for us. You know, I think, as we were preparing this, I was thinking about Peter. Didn't Peter have exactly the same lesson to go through? The great Peter. Let me just read some scripture to you from Mark chapter 14. This is Peter. When, when he's hearing, you know, about what's going to happen to Jesus, he says, Even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered today, Today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. <laughs> even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter, you don't know yourself. You think you are what you're not. You think you're where you're not. Mark 14, verse 72. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter, Peter, or Peter, Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock, the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Why? Because he had an encounter with his true self. He had an encounter with his true self, with the weakness of his true self. Friends, but I want to encourage you that it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to respond. It's an opportunity to repent and to change. You know, if God allows you to, to, to taste what it is to be defeated, allows you to get to that place, and you, you come to that place, and I would encourage you to reflect profoundly. I'm not saying it's always because of you, friends, but I'd ask you to reflect anyway. For all of us, in that place of defeat, that place of sadness, maybe that place of humiliation, that we, we, we bring ourselves to a place of reflection, that it's an opportunity to see ourselves for who we truly are and repent and to change. James chapter 1 verse 23, 24 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. What's the point in coming and just reading the word and then going away and forgetting what you look like? Forget what we're supposed to be. And very often, I don't know about you, but when I read the word in James chapter 1, it's telling you about this, but when I read the word, I'm challenged about some of my attitudes. I'm challenged about some of my behaviours, yes? I see things that need to change. 
And this is not what I believe James is saying. You will see these things. The Spirit of God will highlight, highlight these things in your life. And He doesn't just do it to make you feel bad about yourself. He does it to show you, look, this needs to change. I want to change this in your heart, in your life, in your attitudes, in your thinking, in your behaviours. But if then we go away and we forget about what the Word of God, the Word of God says, forget about what the Spirit of God wants to do, well, like somebody who's looking in the mirror walks away, you know, you imagine you've got to sort your hair out or something to go out. And you look yourself in the mirror, you see a bit of a mess, but you walk away and go out anyway. Do you understand? Friends, we need to respond. But praise God, it doesn't finish there. Bless the Lord, it's a terrible situation. He's in total humiliation. Yes, but, number two, lesson number two, this humiliation is transformed into restoration. His humiliation is transformed into restoration. There is one verse I want you to look at very quickly. Verse 22. Let's listen to what the Spirit of God is saying here, right? Verse 22. However, everybody repeat with me, however. however. Thank God for the however's in the scripture. Or the buts. Yeah? Man, things are not good. He's in a bad place. He's in a terrible place. He's completely humiliated. He's reached the end of the road. However, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Remember, it wasn't the hair of his head that gave him the strength. It was the Spirit of the Lord that gave him the strength. But the hair of the head is what marked him as someone who was a vessel to be used, consecrated. Yeah, it spoke about his relationship to God and with God. Yes? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so I want you to see what the word of the Lord is saying and hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he'd been shaved. However, restoration began to take place. You say that about you, but if I was him, in his circumstances, you know, with a grinder in the prison with no eyes, after all these amazing things that God had used me to do, I would seriously be reflecting upon my life and about who I am and what I've done. Yes? And it doesn't say it explicitly that he repented, but I'm sure in his heart there was repentance. You know, you're thinking about the betrayal that he went through, how foolish he'd been with Delilah, for example. And then I'd be thinking, my goodness me, why didn't I see that right at the beginning when I was going to the wrong places and doing the wrong things? And I'm sure that, that during that time it wasn't just about punishing the guy, it was about him reflecting, it was about him learning and knowing, knowing what he'd done. But the hair of his head began to grow again. Because you see, it doesn't matter where you've gone to, it doesn't matter how low you have sunk, God is able to lift you from that. God is able to meet you exactly where you're at. And he's able to turn your humiliation, your defeat, into restoration. And here's the example. It's tragic. It doesn't end, you know, there's tragedy in the story, but I want you to see the principles. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Praise God. Amid his humiliation, God began to restore Samson, beginning with his relationship. That's the first thing. 
You see, sin disrupts our relationship with God. Sin disrupts our relationship with God. It does. We might think, well, it's not really, you know, I'm not doing any harm to anyone. But when we sin, we first and foremost sin against God. We sin against Him. And that disrupts our relationship with God. And so therefore, we do need to keep those short accounts. But thank God we serve a God who is merciful, who is patient, who is long-suffering towards us, who is ready to forgive. Thank God He does. He says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Samson, though you have made a complete mess of it, though you have you've broken your vow, though you've done things that you paid the price for that man, I'm able to restore you. I'm able to bring you up from that pit of despair and restore you. Which brings us to our final point this morning. That number three, his tragedy was transformed into victory. His tragedy was transformed into victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. Verse 28, then Samson called to the Lord. Saying, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O oh God, that I may be with one, may with one blow take vengeance on the first man's my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on the left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed. Life. I want you to notice something here. It says in verse 25, so it happened when the hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison. Those were his enemies who wanted to completely humiliate him, who wanted him to look silly, and they called for Samson. But what did Samson do? Bible says, then Samson called to the Lord. They were calling for his downfall. Samson called out to the Lord. It doesn't matter where you're at, friends. You can call out to the Lord. You can call to the Lord and he will hear you. He will hear you. Praise God. His enemies called upon him to perform. Samson called upon his God. Well, the difference is, let's just listen again to that prayer. He says, oh Lord God, remember me. Remember me, I pray. I'm in this situation, I'm completely humiliated. Lord, I, I, I guess he doesn't say this obviously, but I guess that he's saying, you know, I'm in this mess that in many ways I'm created. But Lord, remember me. Remember me. Please. Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, oh God. Strengthen me, Lord. Do you remember what he said to Delilah? Where does, where does your strength lie, Delilah? Delilah asked him. Where does your strength lie? The hair of my head. To shake them off. In a sense, yes, but it goes deeper. Doesn't it? It's deeper than that. Where does his strength lie? 
His strength lay in the Lord. In the Lord. What is he doing here? God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, Lord. In other words, the strength is yours. I'm at my place of utter weakness and humiliation. There's nothing I can do about it. I've lost my eyes. I've lost my strength. I'm being humiliated. I'm performing in front of my enemies. They're glorifying their God, little G. Over you, I've made a complete mess of embarrassment. Strengthen me, Lord, because the strength belongs to you and the battle belongs to you. Yes. Lord, my strength comes from you and you alone. What a shame that he had to get to this point to understand it. What a shame. You know, what a shame. I don't know what happens sometimes when you see people. God uses some powerful in people in powerful ways. And God used them once, twice, things start to happen and people start to gather around and put them on the pedestals. You know, and then suddenly something terrible happens and they fall, we've said it before, they fall from a great height. Why? Because, you know, they've, they've suddenly transformed, because God used them, suddenly they've transformed themselves into, I don't know, spiritual Hercules. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I can do. Look how God's using me. And then, <laughs> the fall comes. The humiliation comes. But I just praise God that He's able to restore people from it. Yes, but it's such good. a sad thing that people yes. have to fall to that because the loads, right? Yeah. Friends, it's a lesson. My goodness me, have you seen this happen? You see it happen today in our church? Yeah. Our churches, I should say. You understand? Great men and women of God who fall because forget the strength, the power belongs to him. It's all about him. You know, if he exalts you, it's not because he wants to put you there for a highlight, you and how wonderful you are and amazing you are. He does it because he wants to glorify himself through you. It belongs to him. We don't like that. We take glory, don't we? We can even, you know, put out some words, make out to others, oh, we're going to glorify God, but actually we love the glory. Help us. Help us, Lord. What does he say? Let's keep reading. He says, uh, Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. Well, and you see, I can see it for Samson, yes, it was about vengeance on the Philistines. He got his own bone to pick, if you want, with these people. He got his own need for vengeance. But he was part of the bigger picture. He was part of the bigger picture. And what I want to encourage you this morning, I want to say to you, friends, that God, though he does not accept, he doesn't simply accept sin, your sin. Do you understand that? He doesn't just overlook it and accept it and make out that he's indifferent about it. It cost him the blood of his own beloved son to pay for it. So we need to take it seriously because he took it seriously. But, however, God's purposes will come to pass regardless of our failures. You see, for Samson, he wanted to take vengeance upon the Philistines, you know? Just about his eyes, there was a bigger picture. God wanted to deal with the Philistines. He wanted to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines. And he would begin through Samson. There was a bigger picture. In other words, Samson, I can see that, but it's not about you. It's not about you. Yes, you've got to 
is, yes, I'm going to give you the strength. You're going to take vengeance. But actually, it's part of the bigger picture. The battle belongs to me, says the Lord. The battle belongs to me. The Philistines are, are, are an affront to me because they're worshipping their God and glorifying their God. Claiming that he's delivered you into, into their hands. Can you see that this morning? The Bible says in verse 13, So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. At his point of utter and total weakness and recognition and humiliation, God brings about that tragedy. From that tragedy, the greatest victory. The greatest victory. Samson, you were looking good when you were out there slaying that thousand Philistines, but I'll tell you what, it was more when you came to that place of absolute weakness. Recognition that you are what you are by the grace of God and nothing more. Amen. Praise God. Friends, and thus ends the story, the tragic story of Samson. And yet God's purposes were fulfilled. Could it be could it be that through this example of this man, and he's spoken about later in Hebrews chapter 11, that out of his weakness he was made strong, do you understand? Could it be that this is an example for us to pay attention to so that we don't make the same mistakes? Don't you, when you're reading this, don't you read it and you feel tragedy in your That's tragic. That he had to die. And you know that the, 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 the purposes of God had to come about that way. Why? Well, it's clear to me because of his own weaknesses, because of his own self. We don't have to make the same mistakes, friends. We don't have to make the same mistakes. The Spirit of God will warn us. The Spirit of God will teach us. The Spirit of God will lead us as we read these words afresh and see them in our own lives. As we see our own weaknesses, as we see our own failings, and we come before the Lord, Lord, remember. Lord, Lord, I've done nothing without you. Lord, forgive me when I've done things to take the glory for myself. I've done things to promote myself or whatever. Lord, all the glory belongs to you. I am what I am by the grace of God. Nothing more, nothing less. Amen. As we take these lessons away from God's word, number one, let us always remember that we are who we are, purely, purely by His grace. No matter how many years we've been serving, it doesn't matter what he's given us to do, how many people we're looking after or anything else, we are what we are by his grace. Grace. Nothing else. Nothing else. Anyway. Secondly, God is able to restore us no matter how dark the situation seems. No matter how deep the pit is that you've fallen into, God is able to lift you. He's able to bring about restoration from what is tragedy. Thirdly, God's purposes will come to pass. They will come to pass in spite of our failures. You see, God is not sitting on the throne watching us and watching what we do. They're thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? Look what they've done. How am I going to get around this one? That's not God. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. God is sovereign. Hallelujah. 
declares the end from the beginning. Amen. He knows all things, past, present, and future. All things. Wow. That's quite awesome, isn't it? That's the God that was serving. That's the God of Samson. That's the God that brought about his purposes in Samson's day and will bring about his purposes today. But it doesn't have to be as tragic as that for us. So we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. Thank you. I just want you to just take this time briefly to reflect on what we've heard this morning, what we've listened to, what we've read. How do you relate to Samson? Maybe you're in a place this morning, maybe you need to humble yourself before God. Maybe there is, there is a sin in your life that you know, you, you know it's not right, you know it's not God's will for your life, but you feel as though you're in control. Don't let it become the tragedy that you came for Samson. Let these be warnings for us. And I want to pray with people this morning. It doesn't matter. I don't know what. God knows what the situation is. But if you identify with this this morning, if you want to humble your heart before God, if you want to ask for His strength to overcome, then I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. This is between you and God. Don't do it because anyone else does between you and the Lord, if something this morning that you feel that you're in a battle, then you know you need to overcome because it will lead you down that destructive path. You've seen what it did to the mighty man Samson. Use the thought, powerfully. You too can avoid that, that tragedy this morning. Now I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray. Father, you know us, you know our hearts, you know our lives, you know every aspect of our life, Lord. You know our battles. Lord, you know the things that shame us, the things that weaken us. You know the things that we so desperately want to overcome, Lord, and get victory over. Lord, every single one of us, we've all got our own battles. We thank you that the battle belongs to the Lord. We thank you, Father, that Lord, you do not call us to share your glory. You're not sharing your glory with us, Lord. But you're transforming us from glory into glory. Lord, I just want to say thank you. I pray for my brothers and sisters Lord, this morning. Those who in their hearts, Father, are responding to this or related to who have heard the warnings. Holy Spirit, you have applied them to individual lives and situations. Lord, that they may have strength, strength to overcome. They don't need to know that tragedy. But they know the strength of my Father. And I just pray these things this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus. The one who overcame for us. That we might have a way.